You're listening to episode 64 of the Fat Fueled Female Podcast. Welcome to the Fat Fueled Female Podcast. I'm your host, Marsha Chow, a holistic nutritionist, personal trainer, and proud dog mama of two. I am obsessed with helping women achieve their goals, feel confident in their skin, and become empowered health advocates. This podcast is designed to help ambitious women thrive on a low-carb, high-fat lifestyle, so tune in each week as we talk all aspects of nutrition, improving your fitness, enhancing your mindset so that you can take inspired action and live your best life, all starting from the inside out. I'm so happy to have you here. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Dr. Tawny Cross, who is the founder of the Body Mind Trust to Thrive Method, which is the system she implements to take business-minded moms with chronic stress and chronic pain out of pain, out of survival mode, so that they can thrive in both their professional and personal lives. She graduated with her doctorate in physical therapy from Duke University in 2013, and her journey as a chronic pain specialist and coach evolved from nearly a decade of practice at a veteran's hospital. And because of the complex histories, physical and sexual traumas many veterans have, in order to better serve and help them heal from chronic pain, Dr. Cross grew her practice, knowledge, and breadth of expertise to include nutrition, hypnosis, guided imagery, mindfulness, pain neuroscience education, breathwork, mind-body practice, and so much more. When she's not working on all the things related to chronic pain, she enjoys church, hikes with her two kids and husband, exercising like weightlifting, tennis, or running, as well as playing board games, reading sci-fi fantasy books, or trying to come up with some really bad, or maybe they're good, mom jokes. So without further ado, let's cut over to the interview. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Fat Fueled Female Podcast. Thank you for pressing play and tuning in today. And we have a very special guest on the show today, Dr. Tawny Cross. And I briefly went over her her intro, but uh, she's here live in the flesh. So I would love for you, Tawny, to introduce yourself who you help, what you do, all the things. So thank you for being here and let's get started. I'm Tawny. I am a physical therapist by trade and I'm also a pain specialist. And I love helping business men and moms who are very, very high performers at work, but usually are having a bit of pain, a bit of stress, and they're kind of dealing the day through the day with um, pain medication and things of that nature. I help them get past that. I help them heal from pain. I help them thrive at work as well as at home. Love all of that. So how did you get into specializing and really like niching down with chronic pain? How did I start to specialize? Wow. It's, it was a long journey, actually. <laughs> we but, got time. Um, in the, <laughs> so in the beginning, um, I started out just um, entering into a veterans hospital, um, and my th- thought was just to be a more ortho-based, a more musculoskeletal-based physical therapist, and that is just something that is on the end of naive <laughs> when you enter a veterans hospital, because I don't know um, how much experience you have with veterans, Marja, but 
Zero. <laughs> it is it is a very complex population. They often have, you know, PTSD, they have combat trauma, they have various um, medical conditions that play into pain itself. So it's not just a simple, hey, like I'm going to give you some stretches and exercises and there you go. Um, and so what you end up seeing when you enter an environment like that with just kind of like stretches and exercises as your as your main base of um, helping people is you'll find people that kind of get a little bit better. Um, maybe about 25% people actually show up with maybe good outcomes, but a good number of the population come back in to see you. And it's like, they're on this endless hamster wheel where they're like, they're seeing you. They're like, uh, kind of helped. And they get shuttled back to their pain doctor or wh whatever provider they have. And then they're like, okay, well, um, we're going to give you more medication or we'll try this. And then, and let's have you send, have you go back to physical therapy. And so it's just, it's, it's kind of unsettling to see in the beginning because you're like, I don't really know how to help these people. Um, so my my practice actually had to evolve a lot um, to better attend to people. And actually it was, it was perfect timing too because the science of pain has evolved quite a bit since I started my um, physical therapy practice when I graduated in 2013. Wow, that's so cool. And your the method you have, what is your method called again? So my method is the body mind trust to thrive method. And so you can kind of tell by the title that it includes body as much as it does the mind, because I think what you can often get in um, just different settings is people are too focused on one thing versus another. They're like, if you see a psychi psychologist or something, they're all focused on the top down stuff, the brain, the brain, the brain, the brain. And you'll probably hear words like brain retraining. Um, and then you'll have people that just like, no, it's the body. Let's like, let's work on the stretches. Let's work on the exercises. And it's nice. It should be not either or because we're not floating heads, nor are we like, you know, bags of meat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we do need to combine body and mind together. And for me, it's actually super important that it's body first um, because we actually learn by experience of the body. Everything that we have that we know on a bit brain level is learned through bodily experience um, and being able to trust and know and grow in that is huge. Um, people with pain often don't trust their bodies. Um, so it's body, mind, trust. And then you use that as the beginning step and it takes you to thriving. And is it you focus on the body first because some people can only associate like the physical pain in their body and it's harder to actually get them to open up and like realize how it's connected through the nervous system and their emotions and trauma and all of that? Yeah, I would say that's one big reason I would like to start with the body with people. Um, it, it definitely has more, I would say, quote, buy-in, unquote, when you're starting to explore, hey, this is what we're going to do on a physical way. Because I, I think it's hard for people to just be able to see how is talking going to help me? How is just thinking or mind stuff going to help me? Um, which right. on, on a separate aside, um, the body and the mind or sorry, the mind or the brain itself is considered in a big number of circles to be part of the body. So it's never completely separate. If you really want to visit that down, down that route, <laughs> that being said, yeah, no, that's a good point is you do want to start with the body first for a lot of different reasons. And, 
um, with pain too, people often, um, like, I'm sure you've, you've seen this maybe in some of the things that you do, but when people have anxiety or stress or they, they don't like what they're feeling in their body, whether it's about pain or something else, they try to push away and shove away those sensations. Hmm. And that actually is more likely to increase nervous system sensitization. And so starting with the body, helping to, to reestablish how to sense the body um, is also another reason why I would start there. So a lot of the women you work with, are they coming in being like, I'm, I actually have like a physical ailment, like I hurt my back or my hip, or is it more of like a holistic approach where they're like, Oh, Dr. Tawny, I, Dr. Tawny cross, I need your help because of, you know, I have three kids and I have no sleep and I don't have any time for myself. And then, you know, I tore my rotator cuff at the gym three years ago and it hasn't healed properly. Who are the women that are, you know, wanting to work with you and that you do work with? Yeah. So, um, most of the women I work with already have some exposure to more of the mind body connection piece. Um, there's only been a couple people I would say that have not started that way. And there's not that I don't serve them well. It's generally speaking a lot more, um, educational efforts in the beginning. Um, one person I've worked for a long time. I think she had tried all the things. Actually, most people that I've seen have tried all the things in their separate, like they've tried Cairo, they've tried acupuncture, they've tried massage therapy, they've tried um, psychotherapy even. And they've not ever visited that as an integrative piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also don't realize how much micro and macro traumas play into chronic pain. So one person I worked with definitely um, had been exposed to all of those things. And she saw me uh, or saw my stuff on Instagram. And she's she's like, you know, that's something that I always had an intuition played a part. So she was open to it, even though she hadn't necessarily explored the mind body connection piece before. So would you be able to give me an example of like a past client you've worked with and like maybe just like a case study of like who she was? why she came to see you and how you helped her? Yeah. So, um, so maybe I'll take the same person you just asked me, or I was just talking <laughs> about. <laughs> That's an easy one. Um, sorry. And the question was like how she came to find me or. Yeah. How she, how she came to find you, um, what, what her main concerns were and like kind of what your thought process or what your framework was to really help heal or support or, you know, essentially get rid of the chronic pain she was dealing with. Yeah. So, um, most people, and this is including the woman that I'm talking about, um, come in with a a diagnosis with something like chronic pain or fibromyalgia. Okay. They usually have widespread pain everywhere. It's not necessarily the result of an injury, although, um, I have worked with people that only have isolated areas of pain. And she was like, I am really interested in like the things that you're talking about. Like, um, it, it seems like it's, a, it's different from what I normally hear, especially with conventional medicine, because, um, although I started off in the conventional medicine category, I definitely don't fit that profile anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so the process for her was we first explored, um, what exactly her pain was about because, 
I, I don't want to have a broad brushstroke for everybody that comes to see me. Everybody has their different story, even if they fit the mind body profile. It also depends on how much and depends on um, a number of various factors because so many things factor into pain. So for her, after I assessed her history, I was like, okay, like it definitely sounds like you have more what they call nervous system sensitization. Um, the medical term maybe more appropriate would be called nociplastic pain. Um, and again, that whole process is your nervous system is sensitizing. It's become very, very ramped up and reactive. And so now it's responding to everything. It's responding to the weather. It's responding to stress. It's responding to if you're just lying there doing nothing, right? People are so having pain constantly in fight or flight. Yes, exactly. Okay. Right. Um, and because our nervous systems are connected to everything else, you'll see this play up, not just in terms of pain, you'll probably see gut health issues, you'll see um, fatigue, you'll see stress, you'll see um, sleep issues, you'll see so many things that pop up. And so typically, um, when people come in with like with her, I'll, I'll be like, okay, where do you fit in this profile? Are you largely about sensitization? And if so, then, um, then you're probably in the right place. Um, if you're just looking for a straightforward, like simple fix, that's not going to be me and it doesn't work for chronic pain. Yeah. Hence the word um, chronic. Yeah. Hence the word <laughs> chronic. Right. And so um, you, we did a deep dive into first educating. And when, when I say educating, um, a lot of people have so many misconceptions about pain, what it is, what's happening with their bodies. So um, in the framework of now, she was working with me one to one. So we had a lot of time to to explore and to be very, very personal um, with her journey, um, which actually I also make my group systems like that, too. But um, for for obviously one on one, it's a little bit intense and more hands on in that way. Um, so we kind of looked into, OK, what does your um, your movement like? What are you afraid of doing? What do you want to get back to doing? Um, and we looked at. Um, we looked a little bit at nutrition, although on her level, when I was assessing her nutrition, nutrition was actually um, pretty like unremarkable. She was actually eating pretty healthily or, you know, like the word quote healthy, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but she was, she was actually eating um, in a way that I felt like was beneficial to her nerves. Um, and then we looked at the area of the mind. And so she happened to have a lot of trauma in her history. Um, and those were macro traumas for her, less micro traumas. Micro traumas, in case people don't know um, what I'm referring to, macro is like the big stuff that you think about. Like, oh, you had some sexual trauma or you had some like um, physical abuse. Micro traumas are a little bit more understated. Like it could be like you grew up in a very authoritarian environment. You had a good life, but like the the relationships you had with your parents or other people um, definitely kind of like, I don't want to use the phrase, but it feels like this is a good way to go. Like war on your soul a little bit, you know? Yeah. And it shows up. <laughs> so those are your micro traumas. Um, and she had both. And so we started to look into um, her trauma history. Um, we used um, hypnosis and we used mindfulness um, to start to tackle through that. Um, for her, it was actually really, really easy to work with because oftentimes people with, with, people, with systems that are in fight or flight, they have a hard time doing some of the the calming and nervous system like regulation pieces where you're like breath work even and luckily for her that wasn't the case so it was easier for her to get into some of the um the practices that we were working on with her um but yeah so 
over it's 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 kind of a huge overhaul of your life, really. Yeah, of course. Um, because not only does I think does pain affect kind of what your day to day looks like, um, but it also takes you away from your values and things you love and actually aligned with you in the first place. And so when when I work with people um, and why I actually mention in the like the body trust like trust uh, body mind trust to thrive method is that I take people to thrive at work and at home is ultimately what we're doing is we're transforming your life to become more and more aligned with with what it is you really want to have out of life because a good sign of your system trying to ramp up is when it starts to fall away from its own needs and for me that that is huge with um, authentic living and alignment is like, if you're not living that way, your system is going to start to show signs and, and let you know. Wow. Um, yeah. So I think that answered your question. <laughs> yes, it did. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to chronic pain? Yes. The, there actually are so many, but the biggest misconception that I find I have to unwind at the beginning is that your physical pain doesn't mean something is physically wrong. Like you can have um, hurt without harm and you can have pain flare-ups and it has nothing to do with something that was increasingly damaged or something wrong that you did. And that is not the same thing as you imagined your pain. Cause I think that's the other direction people can go. It's like, okay, so you're telling me nothing is wrong. So mm-hmm. that means I should just do whatever I want. Um, and so that's also <laughs> an, a misconception. Um, but the main thing is pain is always, although we feel it in the body, it's always felt in the body and it's always in the mind at the same time. And when we feel our pain, it's always real. It's always there. And it has oftentimes with chronic pain, nothing to do with something that is physically misaligned or physically bone on bone or physically torn. Um, It is because the nervous system around the area has started to become sensitized. So a lot of it comes back to your beliefs then. How do you mean? Like if you're saying some of it isn't, you know, bone to bone, you're saying a lot of it is associated back to your mind. Yeah, there is a huge part of that. And I would say too, um, some of this is unfortunately influenced by what they've been taught or people have been taught by doctors. Like even even in my own profession, like you'll find people will go into doctors and um, the doctors be like, oh, look at this is severe arthritis. This is like degenerative disc disease, which by the way, is not a disease. Um, It's just a normal aging thing. And I don't know why they call it disease. Um, And they will say, oh man, this is like the the tightest thing ever. This is the worst stenosis that I've ever found. So they'll, they'll, they'll have all this scary language. And there's like this, this huge um, literature um, review. I can't remember. It was a, it was a literature review. Anyway, it was, it was a bunch of studies done on language itself. Yeah. And they found that people who were given like scary, hairy language from the x-rays and MRIs, even though they're it, either their x-rays and MRIs were fine, or they were comparable to someone else that, that had a different experience from what they heard from the doctors, the people that heard worse and scary things did far worse on the long haul. 
Yeah, I believe that for sure. Like you take on that identity. It's like white coat syndrome. You're like, oh my gosh, I have this. And then you just have that diagnosis and and, and you become that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, like I have this. So that means that I have to live with this. Yeah. And I also feel like for certain people, it can kind of be like a cop-out, like a crutch. Well, I got diagnosed with this, so I can't do this or I can't do that. I've had that with certain clients in my profession where I've had this medical diagnosis. So, you know, I have, I have Hashimoto's. So I, I, I've just been told that I I can't lose weight. And I'm like, you have a medical diagnosis that you are fully taking on as a belief because there are people in this world. I have a couple friends actually who have Hashimoto's who are bodybuilders, right? So it's like, sometimes we get this medical diagnosis And we just like kind of believe it and we take that one doctor's opinion. And I think it's really important that you get like five doctor's opinions and you do your own research and find someone like yourself who has a really holistic, organic mind-body connection to living well and being well. Yeah, no, that's huge. I think, and sometimes I feel like with those sort of interactions, people also start to get like medical trauma. They like they fear seeing doctors. They it like gives them some like you know not only are they having this diagnosis, then like every doctor they see, they're, they're scared. Like oh no, they're gonna give me another thing. Um, actually, you brought up something that I saw recently in the hospital that I was in. So I had one lady who had they call it neuropathy. Neuropathy, you have the nerves. You have some sort of disease or injury with their nerves for her she couldn't feel her legs she couldn't move she couldn't walk for a while and when by the time she was working with me um we had started to get her walking again and she was really excited about what she was doing but she went to see some other doctor i can't remember like what their what their specialty was but the doctor even though she she was walking he looked at her and said, you're never going to walk again. She was like sobbing. She was in tears when she saw me the next time. And she was like, he said I was never going to walk again. And I'm like, but you're walking. She's like, I, I know. <laughs> I think it was so hard for her just, just hearing that, even though there was this obvious, like she could walk. It was in her, in his face, just as much as in hers. Yeah. And so. it's that language again. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's a way to say something to someone you're never going to walk again. How harsh is that? And she's literally walking the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And like, those are the doctor's beliefs and they're based off of not you, but looking at some image and they assume that they, they know this is the trajectory of your life. Yeah. That's crazy. I also feel like sometimes when people go see doctors, like Western medicine, thank God we have it. If we get in an accident, if we need Mm -hmm. an antibiotic, if we need surgery, like grateful we have it. But at the same time, it's like, you have to know that when you're going to Western medicine, it's a completely different paradigm. They're to diagnose, they're to treat, they're not to prevent, and they're going to give you some form of medication when it comes down to it, or like a script to go see a therapist or something to that effect. They're not going to look at you as a whole, really, they're going to look at one organ. What's wrong with that? We'll give you this, right? They're not Mm -hmm. looking at you as like mind, body, soul, spirit, and how can we support you and how can we prevent other ailments or conditions from flaring up? Yeah. That is a huge drawback of 
conventional medicine. I think actually sometimes I make posts about this because like it frustrates me because I work in the conventional medicine environment. And it's interesting because even though the science is very, very firm on um, what we call the biopsychosocial model, which is more or less mind-body medicine, and the doctors are now aware of it, their methods and their um, their practices, their their language hasn't changed. It's still the same thing. And I'm like, you guys know this stuff. How and like I've educated you on this stuff. How come you're still <laughs> talking the same way? And um, I think it's hard, not just because change is hard to even change your practice, but to be able to speak to people in f- and see who they are outside of their charts within a ten to fifteen minute yeah. visit yeah. is is just it's mind boggling really. (laughs) Well, it's kind of almost like impossible in that aspect, right? It's just like, Mm -hmm. how can you really get to know someone's health history and like who they are and what they love to do and their fears and their worries and everything in like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes. Like you just, it's not realistic, right? That's why it's great to have someone like you who can do like a deep dive with your clients and get to know them on like a much deeper level and educate them and give them tools and strategies that they can implement day by day, week by week, because it's not a one and done 11 minute, 12 minute and and you're, and you're quote unquote healed. Right. It's a journey. It's a process. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it comes down to the doctors only like can be with you for so long anyway, whether it's like they can give you medication and whatever else, if you want to see transformation and it has to be an active process where you're like putting forth the effort of implementing and learning new skills and seeing how that affects your life rather than waiting for like them to do something for you, do something to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, is there anything else you kind of want to touch on? This has been so informative and I've got to learn so much more about you. Me and Tani actually met in a mastermind group we're in together. And the first time I met you, we were in breakout rooms. It was you me and Michelle and your yes. screen was off and like, what are you doing? You're like, working out at the same time. I got two kids. I'm busy. And I'm like, Oh, I like her. She's working out on this call. Yes. Um, so gosh, number one is I think that, um, as a mom, it can be very, very tough to feel like you can attend to yourself. Like you're, and if you're working a mom and if you're like me, where I'm in the sole breadwinner of the family and you're like, oh my gosh, like my mind is so divided. Um, I feel like it's very easy for moms to put themselves second, third, fourth, fifth, and never first. Mm-hmm. And um, one, not true. You probably all know that if, um, if the oxygen mask falls in an airplane and you have your kid next to you or a child next to you, it should always be your mask first and then the kid. Um, And that's going to be true in life as well. You have to be able to put into yourself first to be able to feed and nourish the people that are around you. Um, And so part of that for me is being able to show people how they can hold space for what they're doing, as well as um, what they're helping to do on the outside world around them, children, husband, friends, family. Um, And the whole piece about Marja seeing me exercise is I know, (laughs) I know as a mom and I have to wear so many hats. If I don't attend to me first, which for me, I love, 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 like just movement and exercise. So I will do 
juggling. I will juggle while I'm on a call just so that I can attend to my juggling, to my exercise or to whatever yeah. that is, because I feel served when I serve myself that way. And then I still have an ear that I'm able to listen to other people. And like, you know, you don't always have to be like the multitasker, but I actually do think women are built to be better multitaskers than men. Totally. Um, totally. Oh my gosh. That's an, another side story, but I'll show you with, with you a little one. My husband was watching me because he, he knows that I multitask a lot. And he's like, I think I was washing the dishes while I was watching a show. So for me, it was like, I'm being productive and I'm also letting my mind relax. And he's like, how do you do that? I'm like, what do you mean? How do I do that? It's not like I'm, you know, like taking a test while I'm also exercising. And he's like, I'm going to try it. And then like maybe a few minutes later, I was watching him do the dishes and he spent no less than five minutes washing the same dish. He's just like that the whole on the TV. Yes. So he can, so that's why I say, I think that just inherently, at least him for him and me, I'm a multitasker. He's not so much. Um, but that being said, multitasking moms need to serve themselves and learn how to rest. And um, so I think that's a big thing for, for my population. Yeah, for sure. And even like, you said, you know, exercise is super important to you, whether that's just like doing a 10 to 15 minute workout while you're on one of our coaching calls in our program. It's like kill two birds with one stone, do what you got to do. Cause you got <laughs> yeah. two little ones, right? Mm -hmm. I have two. How old ones. are your, how old are your kids? Um, one just turned three and the other one old uh, is five right now. And he'll turn six later on this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So cute though. Yeah. Your kids are so freaking cute. I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to kidnap them. <laughs> I'll watch out for you, Marcia. <laughs> um, one more question, actually. What is one of the biggest um, or what is one tip that if someone has some form of chronic pain that they can implement into their life today that can have some kind of immediate improvement? Yeah. So the easiest thing to focus on is breathing exercises because they were always breathing. So you might as well keep on breathing <laughs> and they can be done anywhere. And I will just with a caveat, sometimes breathing exercises can be triggering for people, not always. Um, but if, if you feel like you're able to focusing on the breath, slowing down the breath um, is really, really important because when your nervous system is in a fight or flight, when it's staying reactive, it often has like the shallow breathing quality that you get if you're chased by a lion or running in a marathon. Um, and your system holds on to that type of breathing um, for most of the day, which is, by the way, if you're sleeping and your breath is also on that shallow end, it can cause for sleeping problems because what you're giving your system is a cue that you should be staying awake and running away. Um so working on the breath, starting to even just two minutes a day, focusing on can I slow down my breathing and can I shift it more in towards the belly? Um, and this is the part that's important to know. Usually people, when they inhale, they think they have to get taller and bigger. When you inhale, you should actually get fatter. <laughs> so fat filled female, fatter. <laughs> you should get fatter. Yeah. Your belly should get fatter. Yeah. Expand um, like a big balloon. That's what I used to tell my yeah. students when I used to teach yoga. Yes, absolutely. So expand like a big balloon. And so just focusing on that, and that isn't necessarily going to change pain, although for many people it can. Um, the main focus of it is you're changing your nervous system and bringing it back into a place of safety where you're saying, hey, right now we're resting, right now we're digesting, and this is safe to do. Love that. And the beautiful thing about that is it doesn't cost any money. It just get, you have to just make it a priority, put a little reminder in your phone, a minute to two minutes of breathing, and it can actually really transform your day. 
and get you yeah. out of that fight, 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 flight, or flee aspect of your nervous system. Yeah, absolutely. So it was so lovely having you. I'm glad we were able to finally do this. How can people um, find out more about you and how can people connect with you? So find out more about me. Honestly, both is in the same place. I'm okay. very active on Instagram. So it's just Dr. Tawny, Dr. Tawny. Cross, Dr. Uh, she'll probably have it on. I website. will put, yes, I will put all of your handles and links in the mm-hmm. show notes. Yeah. And if you are finding me, send me a DM with pain or fat field female. And I will know where you came from, how you connect with me, because I love connecting with my audience, um, just getting to know people and um, get a good idea of how I can help more. Love that. Awesome. So I, again, will put all of Dr. Tony Cross's information in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so great to have you here. And thank you all for listening. And we will catch all of you guys next week. Bye for now. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you feel you got some extra value from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could head over to Apple Podcast or whatever service you're listening to this podcast on, drop a five-star review. Let me know your thoughts on the show. Doing this really helps more people like yourself find the podcast. And if you're not already following me on social media, right now is the time. You can find me on Instagram at Marja Chow for all your nutrition tips, tricks, and inspiration, or visit my website at fatfueledfemale.com where you can download my free seven-day keto meal plan with recipes. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will catch you next week.